I want to take as my text this morning a part of that reading from the psalm, Psalm 37, a psalm of David, as the inscription says. Psalm 37, verses 1 through 11, and if you're making uh, use of the Pew Bible, you can find that text on page 550. Psalms 37, beginning at verse 1, which I'd like you to note with me again. Psalm 37, and beginning at verse 1. Assuming that David was the author, David said, Fret not yourself because of evildoers, and be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will take action. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices or schemes. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek, the humble, shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundance of shalom, in abundance of peace. This morning, I want to talk about what to do when evildoers are prospering. What to do when evil doers are prospering? It seems like you don't have to do very much anymore, but maybe just turn on your TV and the news in particular and to see evil doers who seem to be prospering. And it isn't a new problem. In fact, Psalm 37 is an ancient document written 3,000 years ago. And so in point of fact, what's being described here is not a new problem, but in fact, a very old problem. But anyway, when you turn on the TV and you see evildoers prospering, or perhaps you know people in your own life who are doing wrong and they seem to be getting away with it, what do you do? What's your usual response? And that's what the psalmist is talking about this morning in our text. What to do when evildoers are prospering. And the first thing that the psalmist says is that when evildoers are prospering, don't fixate it on it. Don't fixate on it. Notice again, a couple of verses here and there. Verse, the first part of verse 1. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Or, or the second part of verse 7. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil schemes or evil plans, evil devices. And then notice verse 2, and there's the reason. For they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. And so the psalmist says, don't fret when evildoers seem to be prospering. 
And that because if evildoers are prospering, God says through the psalmist, their seeming prosperity will not last. As the psalmist says, they, they will fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. And in the Middle East, in fact, the writer is a Middle Easterner, he's writing to Middle Easterners. They know what he's saying and he knows what he means. And in the Middle East, in springtime, a lush vegetation pops up in the desert. And then comes the summertime. And in the summertime, all it takes is one strong, hot desert wind to hit that vegetation. In a matter of a day, it's reduced to, to nothing but withered nothingness. <laughs> and the psalmist says that that is exactly how it will be for those who prosper by doing what is evil. They will soon fade like the grass and wither like the, the green herb. In other words, their day will come. Don't fret about it. <laughs> and so the psalmist says, when evildoers are prospering, don't let them rob you of your peace. And then the psalmist says that when evildoers are prospering, don't lose your temper. You don't do that, do you? Have you ever, yeah, have you ever, we were watching TV, watching the news the other day. On Saturday, like I'll maybe try to catch a little bit if I'm, you know, I eat a little something and sometimes I'll find out on Saturday some big thing that happened I didn't know and then we come to Sunday and get to pray about it. So, but anyway, it was like one terrible thing after, you don't ever yell at the, you don't ever, like me, shout at the TV or anything, do you? <laughs> Don't lose your temper over it. Notice verse 8. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. And though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land. This is Jesus quoted this in his own Sermon on the Mount. The meek shall inherit the earth. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundance of shalom, abundance of well-being, prosperity, divine blessing. And so the psalmist says, when evildoers are prospering, refrain from anger. Forsake wrath. Have you ever forsaken anything? You just cast it aside. I won't have anything to do with it. Forsake wrath. And then he says this inter interesting statement. He says, because it tends only to evil. There's nothing, nothing really good can come of it. Don't do it. You're putting yourself in a spiritually dangerous place when you do. And Peterson in the message, he, he, in his paraphrase, put it this way. Anger only makes things worse. That is a great way to put it. Or as someone has pointed out, the word anger is just one letter shy of the word danger. Have you ever thought of that? You remember what James the Apostle wrote? We have it in what we call the first chapter of his letter, where he wrote this, James chapter 1 and beginning at verse 19, my beloved brothers and sisters, my fellow believers, let every person be quick to hear slow to speak and slow to anger. 
And then he says in verse 20, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. There's no one who thinks himself or herself more right than an angry person. But if you look closely, as I must also look closely at my own, it's seldom that my anger is righteous. It might just very well be that I'm just perturbed. But anyway, the psalmist also says an evildoer should be cut off. Don't worry about it. And by the way, you, you don't add anything to anybody's ju righteous judgment when you get, it's like the, God doesn't need your help. Right? And I'm not saying that you shouldn't, that, that you should uh, be um, uh, indifferent to evil. You shouldn't be indifferent. You should care about it very much. And to whatever power you have, you should confront it and seek to make it right. But you don't, that doesn't require that you hate and rage and fume and so on. I was thinking about this. I was thinking about Martin Luther King Jr., by the way, or the Mahatma in India. And they were great ones to saying that there's nothing gained by hating my enemies. But I won't stand for injustice. <laughs> I'm going to march this march, and we're going to sit in, and we're going to do these things, and we will not fight back. But at the same time, we won't just say it doesn't matter, because people are being hurt, and we're here. If I have to die, and both of them were shot. <laughs> in fact, King never saw his 40th birthday. I'm coming up on my 59th birthday. He was 39. I've lived 20, 20 years more than Martin Luther King. Evildoers will be cut off. That is to say, they will be cut off from God, cut off from his promises, cut off from his blessings. That phrase is common in the Old Testament, and especially in the Pentateuch and the Torah. Cut off, cut off, cut off. That is judged. Indeed, the, the psalmist says that evildoers will be no more. <laughs> Look at verse 10 again. And in just a little while, the wicked will be no more. And though you look carefully, like, I thought they used to live here. I, man, is this the, are you sure you got the address right? I'm sure it was Google got it wrong, right? I mean that. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. And though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. And so the psalmist says, when evildoers are prospering, don't lose your temper over it. Don't need to. God will handle it. And the psalmist says, and don't envy those who are evil. Notice that second part of verse 1 and then verse 2. And don't be envious of wrongdoers. Like they're getting away with something and you'd like to too. No, you don't. You do not want to get away with whatever they're getting away with. Why? Verse 2. You'll join them in this. For they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. And so the psalmist says, don't envy those who do evil. Indeed, what is there to envy? In fact, there's in Plato's, the Plato's dialogue, Socrates and his friends, Georgius, that whole discussion about whether it's, a, it's better to commit injustice or to be the, the, the victim of it. 
and, and, and Socrates says, it's much better to, I don't want to be a victim of it, I certainly don't want to be a perpetrator of it, but if I must choose the two, I would rather be a victim of it than a perpetrator of it. I'd rather be the victim of evil than to be evil myself. And so don't envy the wicked, because their way is doomed. And so the psalmist says, when evildoers are prospering, don't fixate on it. But instead, he says, when evildoers are prospering, keep your eyes fixed on God. <laughs> i got to remember that the next time the news is on. Say, oh, well, praise you, Lord. <laughs> but notice what he says, beginning at verse 3. You'll handle it, Lord. Verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. What an interesting expression. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He'll do something. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. And so the psalmist says that when evildoers are prospering, trust the Lord. Trust him. You think he's not going to handle it? God, God conducts a slow train coming, but it's coming. And so trust him. John Stott, in his little book, People My Teachers, wrote this. He said, it is precisely because God is faithful he will do what he said he will do. It's precisely because God is faithful that trusting him makes sense. For there is no one more trustworthy than God. Trust in the Lord. And so the psalmist says, when evildoers are prospering, do that. Leave it with him. And the psalmist says, and do good. Trust in the Lord and do good. If others are doing evil, antidote to that is to do good. If they live in darkness, live in the light. If they tell lies, tell the truth. If they love self, sacrifice self. If they do evil, do good. And the psalmist says, and dwell in the land. Uh, that is, if you like, uh, live your life and live it where God has placed you and live it for him. And then this really interesting phrase, and be a friend to faithfulness. I thought about the Marines, the Semper Fi, always faithful. But hear this expression, be a friend to that. Be a friend to faithfulness. Make faithfulness your friend. And let your friendship with faithfulness make you faithful too. You hang around people and you start becoming like them. Right? I think it was Paul who said, bad company corrupts good morals. That, that idea. Well, make a friend, make friendship with faithfulness and let that rub off on you. And then the psalmist says, and when evildoers are prospering, delight yourself in the Lord. That's almost counterintuitive, right? Like, you mean like right now? You mean like right now during the commercials? Do you want me to, like, to, to delight in the Lord after what we just heard? Or what they just told us they're going to tell us next? Yeah, I guess. Indeed, don't fixate on evildoers, the psalmist says, but rather set your focus on God. 
As the psalmist says, let the Lord be the object of your joy, delight in him. It was Eugene Peterson that defined joy in his little introduction to Paul's letter to the Philippians. He, he, caught, he defined joy as excess of life or life in excess. <laughs> like not just life, but uh, what Jesus called a, a, a life abundantly. Or David Taylor, who used to be with us, in his book, Open and Unafraid, the Psalms as a Guide for, Light, he said, he, for Life, he said, to be full of God is to be full of joy. This all goes together. He's talking about the Psalms. The psalmist said, in your presence, Lord, is fullness of joy. When I'm with you, when I'm in communion with you, who can't rejoice? Or Paul saying, let her win, writing to the Philippians as it happens, and rejoice always, and again I say rejoice. That's, that's godliness. What is, the, what is the fruit of the Spirit? And the Spirit is filling my life. I will love, and I will have peace, and Joy! <laughs> Joy. And the psalmist says that the, when you're living this way, the Lord will give you the desires of your heart. That is to say that those good things that you want, God gives because those are the same good things He wants you to have. And the psalmist says, and when evildoers are prospering, commit your life to the Lord. That is, entrust yourself to him, his lordship. Remember who you are and who he is. I was mentioning to the men yesterday morning, I think it was, talking about Hans Kug, and Hans Kug is, was, a German, was a German theologian, very, very famous one. But somebody who, a friend or asked him, you know, well, what, what, Hans, I mean, good night, you know, this old religion. Well, why did you become a Christian? And he said that I might be truly human. And that's a very, very interesting response. I'd, but what he's saying is this, that I was created to live in communion with the creator God. I'm the creature, he's the creator. What sense does it make that the creature should live uh, absent from or in hostility to? the Creator. I was created for fellowship, in, created in His image and likeness. But, there's, but sin was in the way. You have, as Isaiah said, you, you are, God has, your sins have separated you from your God. But then God comes along and says, but I've sent the Son and every penalty that's due to your sin I've laid on Him that you might receive forgiveness so that we can be reconciled. And Hans Kug says, I became a Christian because that which was keeping me from my Creator was taken away, and now I can be the human that He always wanted me to be, a true human who lives in relationship to the Creator. And so the psalmist says, and entrust yourself to Him. He will make all things right. He says that uh, God will vindicate you if you need that. The psalmist says that God will display your righteousness like the rising of the sun. You ever see, pe sometimes people send me pictures. Oh, look at this beautiful sunrise. You know? Right? I mean, who, who can avoid it unless you get something else going or you live too close to the mountains or some other thing? But there it is. And he says, I will make your righteousness shine like that so everybody can see. Your just ways, your just dealings, like the noonday sun. Nobody can miss that when it's, the sun is at its highest place for everyone to see, you, God, and everybody else. 
And finally, the psalmist says, when evildoers are prospering, be patient. <laughs> Notice verse 7. And be still. Calm down. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. It's in his hands. And he can handle it. Indeed, God will make all things right. That's what we pray all the time. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth where we live like it is in heaven. He'll make all things right. And as the scriptures tell us both in the Old and New Testament, everyone will receive a just recompense. What did Jeremiah say? Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 10. God speaking through the prophet said, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind. I not only see what you do, I know you, what you think, and I know why you do it. I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give to everyone according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. They may not be getting it now, but it will come. Our Jesus, you've heard of him, speaking of himself, that the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. You don't need to fret about it. If they get through our courts, there's another. And no one gets through that one without justice. The Apostle Paul is just singing about this. The Apostle Paul wrote something very interesting in Romans. In fact, it's the last verse of the 12th chapter. But this is what he said. He said, and do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with anger. That's not what it said, is it? <laughs> Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Too often, I think, we let evil set the mood and frame the conversation. We let it rob us of our joy and our peace. Too often we act as if God is dead and evil is all-powerful. And in the end, instead of overcoming evil with good, it is evil that overcomes and controls us. Now, if that sounds like you, Perhaps you might consider something very practical. Perhaps you might consider devoting some time to reading Psalm 37. Well, I don't read the Bible. Well, find the Psalms. If you take your Bible and just drop it on the table, it'll open right to the Psalms. And then find number 37 and read it for yourself. We just read a part of it. But the theme that we're talking about runs through its entirety. Read Psalm 37 and then read it again. And then read it again. And then talk to God about it. 
and read it again. And then share with others that are close to you what it is that you find there until you find that your mind and your heart and your life are radically changed. That you see all of these things that we've talked about in a completely different view, from a different perspective, in a different position. So that you're not overcome by evil, but you learn to overcome evil with good. Does that sound like a plan? There's only 42 verses. Psalm 37. What to do when evildoers are prospering? Let us pray. In the literature, Lord, you know, we call this a wisdom psalm. How the wise, of course, the beginning of, the, of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And this is what it looks like when we are walking with you, when our theology is not just something that we talk about, but it's something that we live. What we say about you is not just something we say about you, but the things that we say about you and that we know are true are things that actually impact the way that we see the world around us and how we think of you and how we act. And so, Lord, I would just pray in your mercy and your grace that you give us open hearts and minds to not just walk away from this because I'm thinking that probably all of us are touched by it in one way or another. The thing is, is that we go on and take communion and sing a song and then we forgot all about it. But maybe even right now in this moment, to fully determine that we're going to consider this a little bit deeper, not just listen to Scott tell us about what it says, but to go see for ourselves, because we have eyes and we've got many Bibles. And so help us to do it, Lord, that you might be glorified in us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.